0: You need indeed.
1: Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Report. I'm Blair Andrews with my co-host as always Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going?
2: you know living the dream we've got a fantastic guest he was just about to tell us exactly what he was writing before the intro kicked off chris <laughs> I interrupted him. what's going on man welcome welcome to the repo We're really excited to have you on thank you so much
3: no man i appreciate y'all having me on fellas i mean it's been it's been way too long since we've been able to catch up but yeah uh I mean, I I do the waiver report over Fantasy Life every week, and now that we've gotten into the playoffs, it's really not uh, like well, you know. I mean, y'all know. I mean, waivers are still an important part of just like every our every week duties as fantasy football managers. But once you get into the playoffs, I mean, unless there's uh, like a, a massive revelation in terms of like injuries or whatever, uh, and I know we're, we might talk about it, but like you know, Chase Brown becomes you know guys like Chase Brown become interesting. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, those types of plays where it's like, oh, okay, I can see like at the very least blocking my opponents from having somebody like them on their roster, but it's not like back in like week two week three where it's just like we're spending our fab money on anybody we can in order to get like good players on our rosters. so no i mean i appreciate you guys having me on and like especially on a you caught me on a good day i mean uh if the Bengals had lost i might have been a little bit more uh you know downtrodden but uh it's, it's not not a bad day to, to be hanging out in the, the southwest part of ohio
2: they put the beat down man on on, on the coals let's just jump right into it right um Jake Browning, he completed 18 and 24 passes for 275 yards, two scores, and a, and an int in the Bengals at 34-14 thrashing of the Colts. Uh, he all, Browning also had three rushes and seven yards and a score. Um, you know, so the bit the, the the interception was a pick six, but I think that I put it more so on, on Tanner Hudson than I would on Browning. Um, I think the big story here actually, as you mentioned, Chase Brown, he's won. But I really wanted to get your take initially before we discuss J- Jace Brown, who we're fans of. But um, really, Browning's thumb injury, right? He left. He was shaking his thumb out. He struggled mm-hmm. to hold the ball, um, right? He returned to the game for just sort of a like a short while before he left, um, and uh, you know, closed things out in the short in the, in the fourth quarter, right? So I wanted to get your take on on, on a handful of things on. So Jake Browning is he a viable like streamer streamer quarterback uh, for the rest of the season here, and you know just sort of two, are do you like where do you expect like any negative issues happening with his time? And actually, you know what I'll, I'll throw in Chase Brown here. And three, why isn't why why did the Bengals take so long to put Chase Brown in and give him this much work? So I think from a schematic standpoint, I
3: think what the Bengals coaches have done, and I've been critical about just like Zach Taylor, uh, Brian Callahan, like just most of the Bengals coaching staff, like for probably like the past couple of seasons where it just feels like, Unless Joe Burrow is out there doing just Joe Burrow things like the offense like feels fragile. Uh, and we, like we've seen that pop up like over like over the last season or so where it's not uh, it, like especially during the weeks like when T was down, and it would just and like even the first four weeks when it was Joe Burrow on the calf injury, Like, shoot, if they had done as much planning as they had in order to make Browning look as comfortable he's had in this offense compared to like in the first four weeks. I mean this this run that they're on right now, still with the chances for playoffs, it might look a little bit better. But either way, I think for for Browning specifically, the fact that they've incorporated like um, like a few more like RPOs, I think uh, using our. Uh, The utilization tool, Dwayne McFarlane over at Fantasy Life right now, like the utilization tool that they have there that allows you to look at not just the the dropback over expectation rate for every single game, but also the schematic portion of each offense, like how often they're running RPOs, trick plays, personnel groupings and all that. We've seen an uptick in RPO rate like over the past couple of weeks with Browning in there. So just allowing him to like move out of the pocket, uh, work work through play action, Uh, especially also like having t higgins back over the past couple weeks that's just made the offense easier more comfortable for him and also uh like the the rushing portion i mean joe burrow like once he got a bit more healthy we saw that Mm. rushing component that scrambling component which has been so like much like an underrated part of his game uh browning has that too uh and with the offensive line at least coming into form finally after three months you know three months into the season we see browning actually get out there and do something so i think you know for the next like few weeks especially since the Bengals, uh, like, they'll be in these, in, uh, like, I think almost all of their remaining games, at least for fantasy purposes, will be against backup quarterbacks. So yeah. there's, there's definitely a chance that we could see just a similar matchup to what we saw to what we saw today. Uh, their defense is still allowing, uh, you know, multiple scores per game. I know, like, one of the scores, like, was on, was on a pick six, so, like, I get that. Yeah. Uh, but, like, teams are still moving the ball relatively well against them. So I could see Browning still being, like, one of those, like, if you lost Justin Herbert, you know, like like from today, and you might still have a shot at the playoffs. Picking up Browning and playing him throughout the playoffs, I think, isn't the worst of ideas.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm actually gonna lose in one Superflex playoff. Uh, I was in the play in, I guess. Um, and my quarterbacks in the Superflex Dynasty League are Rumroll, please, Justin Herbert, and Gino Smith. Oh God. <laughs> uh, I would have been better off playing Zach Wilson was my right. third quarterback but I, I, I didn't bring him up for obvious reasons um and i'm gonna get <laughs> absolutely I, i'm getting just the brakes beaten off me this is i'm actually gonna like i might actually ask the commissioner if he can like censure this person for um uh, abuse against me this is like <laughs> not even fair <laughs> i think that's a fair <laughs> request when we were when we were slated to kick off any projections had me as like a 35 point favorite and i was like all right this is good and i'm come yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a live 65 point dog so this is this aren't those the worst like
3: when you go into the weekend mm-hmm. and you see those like pre-projections and you're just like oh yeah i got this look at all look at all the players that i've got look at all these matchups everything looks great and then you just like watch the games and you just see like your score just never it's yeah. just like just <laughs> inching forward versus the booms that you thought you were gonna have it's tough yeah
2: it's uh, yeah, but I wanted to stick with the Bengals for a little bit. I wanted to get your take because, like, I think I think um, uh, you you might have mentioned this earlier, but like a big part of this like offense with the RPOs, but also I think the implement like they implemented a lot of the screen game in here, right? Um, uh, yeah, historical anomalies also beat me beat me to the. That's actually the question that I had for you. I was trying to lead up mm-hmm. to that. They've they've incorporated the screen game quite a bit with Browning under center, obviously to make some layup throws. Um, so I so I wondered, like, do you think this is gonna be a part of the offense going forward? Because I mean, like it like they they got so much going with Jamar Chase last week, right? And then we're still yet to really get Primo T. Higgins at least. So like my my question is like, do you think the pink, the Bengals will let Higgins go? Like like what happens there? Because this is such a ridiculously good wide receiver course. So I was curious what your take was.
3: Uh, my, my initial lean is that it's a, it's, it's a tag with a, with the potential trade and like, they see what they can do from, from that standpoint. I I do think that with the way that the season was going before Burrow got hurt and with the fact that they do have at least from a cap space standpoint, like I know like paying what is, what would the tag be like 15 million? I think something along those lines, Mm -hmm. if, if memory serves, uh, I know paying a wide receiver at this like for 15 million in order to do that, like isn't the, the most sound way of keeping the roster together, uh, given the other needs that they currently have, like on the, on the team, they could actually use like a second or a second corner safety uh, defensive line. I think they could use some help like interior pass rush. But I think the the core part of this offense like has been has been those like the, the primary two it's been chase and Higgins. Yeah. And while Higgins has had a down season, at least from a, from a fantasy standpoint, yards production standpoint, I know he had like back to back thousand yard seasons before this year, but I think w- when it comes to moving the ball efficiently, like if the ethos of this team has always been passed first, uh, I mean, chase is now like, I think he's widened the gap from a, uh, from a target share perspective. But I think when it comes to moving the ball down to down, like keeping the chains moving, like Higgins is still involved in that. And I, I'm i yet to see another pass catcher, like, on that offense that can step up and take that role. I mean, Tyler Boyd certainly hasn't done it. The, the the tight ends, they haven't involved enough. I mean, Irv Smith, I don't know what they really expected of, like, signing him anyway. Uh, but, like, Trent Irwin has been fine. Like, Yoshi has also been fine. But it's just, like, you will not have that same type of player that can at least win on, like – uh, consistently or at least relatively consistently win in, uh, in those contested catch situations out on the perimeter. They don't have that right now. So if this, unless this offense like structurally, like a foundationally changes over the next four or five weeks as they close out the season to really show that they can do this without Higgins, what my thought is that they they tag them, uh, they try and trade him over the off season, But if not, I mean, they're still going to need somebody that can do that and unless their unless their plan is to draft a wide receiver in the first round next year, it, it's, I'm very hard pressed to believe they just let him go without having a a solid uh, plan B in place without having Higgins on the roster.
1: Yeah, that, that
2: makes sense, especially because where they're expected to be picking. Um, I was looking at Travis May's uh, projected mock draft, and it looked like they're basically picking in like the primary, like where you can get a tackle or an interior like or or someone like solid for defense
3: yeah and, um, and i think that's what they that's what they need because, yeah like i, I know that like, people were talking about uh like i don't like not marvin harrison there's another wide receiver coming out like next year uh uh it, it has a z in his name adunze uh, adunze yeah, yeah i i've heard like light mocks to him uh i do not i don't even want to entertain the idea of them drafting brock bowers like i'm not <laughs> like, let's let's not do that uh I think the the, the focus ha- like has to be like their their offensive line, offensive or defensive yeah. line at this point. I mean that's because they just haven't been able to hit on free agency. Uh, I mean like Karis and Capper are fine. But it's just you need that homegrown talent, like almost like the like the Lions with drafting like Ragnar. I mean, like you have yeah. to be able to hit on the, those like those first round draft picks that become cornerstones of your offense. And with I know Burrow's entering like his uh, the second phase of his career now with with the contract. So if this team is going to continue to move forward, the ethos again is going to be passed first. You're going to need like one of those like the at least a, a rookie player on a rookie contract. Uh, to really help them move that forward, and I think that going going offensive line is probably their best bet for the
1: first round. I want to uh, back up a little bit on on kind of the future talk. I mean, you you kind of mentioned it. If the if the Bengals can show that they can um, do something with Higgins at the end of the season, that might kind of change the calculus here. But I mean, we saw them put up 34 points today, and Chase and Higgins really didn't do much for. Uh, for fantasy teams at any rate Um, I wonder if you think Browning is capable of making both Chase and Higgins you know kind of viable options for the fantasy playoffs
3: I think so uh, because more or less uh, like outside of like once they get into the red zone we've seen the tight ends get worked in Uh, but overall like the explosives like for Chase I think will will always be there Ah, uh, Browning can like continuously looks for like if it's a man coverage, uh, like those deep shots, uh, like so far, I think have worked for for the most part. Um, my my only concern, and it's not really a concern. it's uh, it's a concern for like Chase and Higgins, is that now that they've been able to showcase uh, Chase Brown and they've been able to show that they have some versatility and speed like from the running game, do they have to do they have to live in that world where, once they get in instead of living in the world of third and long can they now move into third and short and that and that now opens up the playbook to guys like Tanner Hudson maybe Drew Sample to a certain degree and of course like Joe Mixon and Chase Brown as as options out of the backfield so i think to your point Blair that does change the calculus because now if they have a more dynamic run game a more efficient run game then now it's just like okay well we don't have to we don't have to rely on T and chase, you know, to, to do cool stuff. It takes, it takes more of the pressure off of, off of your quarterback, like whether it's Browning for the rest of this season or, uh, or like or burrow once we get into next year. So I do agree that if they are able to, uh, to, to continue on like continue plugging away at this, this idea that, you know, Browning allows them to, to, to put some speed, almost like, you know, the Keaton Mitchell esque, like, mm-hmm. you know, part of like how the Ravens have now built their power run game with like Gus Edwards. But then you have the speed option with Keaton Mitchell. If they can do that with Joe Mixon and Chase Brown, then yes. I mean, that, that would allow them to say that, OK, well, we've got a bit more flexibility in the playbook. We've got a bit more flexibility in our personnel. So having high priced guys, because I'm assuming the, the extension talks for Chase are either going on now or will be going on in in the next like four five six months so maybe we can live in this world where as long as the guys that we currently have in our roster Irwin yoshi tight ends whatever and then maybe we draft a couple of guys afterwards maybe we can do like that maybe we can shift into this next phase with burrow's contract that continue going up but otherwise they might just hold pat and see like all right well if we just push all our chips in and do this one more time uh, maybe we can get over the hump and then finally you know win that win that lombardi that they tried to a couple of years ago
2: Oh it's sad. <laughs> that was that was a really good team, man.
3: I was in a bar in Cincinnati watching uh that Super Bowl. Uh it was that that one was tough. That that one was that was very tough uh to, to watch live. Uh but I was just happy that they were there watching like seeing the curse of how many I've been a Bengals fans for for over 20 years now. So I've lived through the playoff drought, lived through the you know the uh, you know, from Carson Palmer to Andy Dalton to you know now watching Joe Burrow. So I was happy that they got to the Super Bowl. Wish they would have come out with a W, but I think with Burrow under center, I think we'll get back there soon enough.
1: Uh, yeah, don't want to spend uh, all time on the Bengals, although we could probably talk about them a lot. A lot <laughs> I, I, it's going to hurt my heart if we do a lot longer. <laughs> um, I guess the maybe the big news of the week is well, there's a lot of big news, but C.J. Stroud is one of them. Uh, obviously, looking like runaway rookie of the year candidate um, goes out of the game today with a concussion. It sounds like um, I wonder they also lost uh, Nico Collins today too. To it did. Injury, right. Really so, early. Yeah. This is an offense that obviously has some, some problems as we saw today, losing to the jets. Um, if it's, if Stroud has to miss extended time, for instance, you know, a few weeks, what does that do to, uh this offense is anyone is anyone in this offense playable without Stroud? I don't want anybody on that roster.
3: <laughs> I mean, was anybody really like looking for fantasy value with Davis Mills under center last season? Right.
2: No. I mean, yeah, people people were Charlie Brown rug pulled with uh, Damian Pierce, man. He's been he's been awful. Singletary seems to have completely won that that backfield mm-hmm. work all to himself. Um yeah it's it is sad, right? Like like I I guess I guess flipping the question a little bit. Even with CJSR back, right? Like no more tanked out potentially Nico <laughs> Collins is out for a while. Like are like is Noah Brown one of the targets in your waiver article is 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 what I was trying to guess uh, ask mm-hmm. I guess.
3: I yeah, I'll put like I'll have him in there. Um I need to take a look at I haven't looked at his uh targets per route run like from uh from today. Because my thought process from last week was that because it was his first came back from what, the, like a knee injury he had suffered like two, three weeks ago, that it would take him maybe a couple of weeks to, to ramp back up. And, uh, and so while my expectations weren't very high, uh, I think that's going to be the, the biggest thing to see if like there's any sort of, all right, well, Davis Mills, just like hitting the short area of the field, maybe with better coaching. I mean, I'll, I'll give it to him. I mean, uh, all credit to to Bobby sloak and making sure that CJ Stroud is like very comfortable in offense in his first year. So I would lean more towards yeah, guys like him. Uh, I see like yeah, Mechie being like uh, <laughs> being mentioned in the chat. Like I I think that like he did get a couple of targets actually uh, like last week. Um, so I, I'd be interested like in either of those two guys. But outside of that, it's kind of like I'm not. I don't think anybody's rushing to the wave bar to add Robert Woods like in week in week 15. We're not, we're not doing that in
1: the year of our Lord, 2023,
3: <laughs> but like Noah Brown, John Mechie, like I, I think I, the, they they moved the needle for me for sure.
1: Yeah. This has been an interesting offense to discuss also from the perspective of uh, kind of their fair draft value next year in best ball drafts, for instance, Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's someone where the receivers kind of, a lot of them have had big blow up games and seem to only do it. Maybe when one of the guys is hurt, one of the other guys is hurt. Tank Dell looked like he was coming on and being going to be, uh, you know, kind of the wide receiver one there. Now he's hurt. Um, I mean, Stroud obviously gives them a dimension that, that, uh, makes them a, a pretty explosive offense that can score some fantasy points. So yeah, uh, I don't know if you've thought about it much yet, but how are you approaching some of these guys or how are you thinking about them going into next year?
3: Each of them, I think Tank Dell for sure, like he's going to have to be like one of the early round, like wide receivers. I mean, from a targets per route run uh, perspective, even air yards perspective, I think he was top 20 amongst all mm-hmm. wide receivers with a 10 plus target share. I mean, it's not just the the like not just he was uh like producing relative to his rookie class but he was up there like with some of like the better wide receivers from both in air yards and uh and yards per out run standpoint so i think both those guys are going to be like both him and nico i think are going to wind up being in the earlier rounds i think th- this is just like like stylistically i think because dell is the more of the he can play on the inside. He can win on the outside. He'll probably get the get the get the nod for, at least in, from an ADP standpoint. He'll have like the earlier uh, the earlier draft cost. And Nico, because they'll look at his, you know, he plays more on the outside, explosives downfield. What was it like two, three catches of like 30 plus yards, like just this past week, like it, it winning on explosives, even though Tank did them as well. Uh, like that'll be more of, I could put, I could see him in like the sixth, seventh round, like somewhere around there. At least that's my general thought mm-hmm. until things get steamed up. Uh, like you'll see stuff about, you know, Stroud over the off season, talking about his connection with Nico, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And I can see like both them getting steamed, like into the fourth, uh, at least him getting steamed in like the f- like fourth, fifth round somewhere in there. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think that entire offense is one that we're going to be like heavily targeting throughout the earlier parts of uh, best ball season for next year, for sure.
2: I think Evan makes a good point. He said tank size combined with the injury is going to be a massive talking point, sort of suppressing his price. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think tank is going to go where Nico was going this year, right? Which is, which was what, seventh round? Uh, I think, yeah, once
3: we got into like the back end. Of the yeah. of the off season, and once we get into the August, I think it started off in like the 11th, 12th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was got, really cheap. He was really cheap, and then it was like, oh, this actually might work. He's actually a really good receiver. So then, yeah, like, he got he got pushed up. Yeah, right.
2: yeah, but then like Stroud's price kept falling.
3: <laughs> he which was going did,
2: after Young.
3: Yeah, which didn't make any sense. Like in like, to, to, I think it was just the maybe it was the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. The he, I,
2: yeah i think we win so much
3: off draft capital like
2: for young almost too much off draft capital there yeah like i think uh and then also like the questions because like, like the entire offense had that davis mills stink on it and like it was just so bad yeah like there was a reason why damian pierce was going so early and then uh nico is going where he did yeah i think mm-hmm. that's where dank dell is going to be and then i think nico goes much earlier and then the question is where are you taking stroud right is he like a fifth round adp quarterback
3: i think he'll probably be like where where was where was burrow taken like this year fifth sixth oh, round. Early, yeah i think uh, early
2: fifth, so, yeah. early, early fifth early. like four or five turn
3: yeah so i think that i could see stroud being about there next year yeah I mean, if we're talking about his pass catchers being in the earlier parts of like that in that same general area, I would assume that Stroud like falls into the fourth, fifth round. So we're we're going to put uh, still have Hertz, still have Mahomes, still have Allen there in like the second, third-ish round. Uh, 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 let's see, Lamar will probably then come like shortly after that. Uh, then I'd probably say like Stroud is probably going to be at like QB5, uh, probably in like yeah, the other fourth, fifth round, like somewhere in there. Sure.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm trying to think of who cool else hard. you would want.
3: To, like, I'm trying to right. think of what other quarterbacks, like from a season-long standpoint, that we would be more excited to roster.
1: No, there aren't right.
2: very many. Borrow probably. I mean, Barrow's one. Lamar, uh, yeah. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. Because we're not guys are Trevor, going to put Trevor. We're not
3: going to put Trevor in the same
2: spot as him. Right. No, and last and, year. and Herbert is absolutely. I I, I don't know what people were doing Herbert this year, but then he's done. I mean, we can discuss discuss that now. Another injury. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't I don't have him listed here, but he was he's sort of left and Brandon Staley mentioned that he has like a fractured finger, mm-hmm. index finger in his throwing hand. Um Keenan Allen uh caught six of twelve targets for sixty-eight yards in their loss to the Broncos today. All of Allen's yards, <laughs> I think I think all of them, yeah, came with Easton stick under center. Right. Right. right uh and that's just really weird i think herbert probably is going to miss a few weeks potentially i mean a few weeks now is what end of the season right i think are <laughs> they so,
3: are they eliminated from playoffs or more or less eliminated from playoffs after uh, i don't after, know man
1: today, Stick just be, well not 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 officially eliminated but yeah but yeah. like without
2: herbert without herbert like easton stick just feels like the white flag man yeah <laughs> oh, yeah it has to be
1: yeah
3: like at that point, like if I was Keenan Allen, like why, like, why why go out there like anymore?
1: Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is another team that it's been pretty interesting to discuss. Um you, you know, I think there was a lot of buzz on Quentin Johnson coming in today. He I don't know, today might be like a career high in yards for him, 91 yards. Yeah. Um oh yeah, and we dropped him in our I mean, that's why it happened. <laughs> yeah. Is this uh it just took Easton Stick to unlock him I guess. Is that yeah. uh, is Oh that man, that
3: that is just so tough. I mean, how do you how, how do you go into the season with uh like after drafting Quentin Johnston and then you see both like Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison like balling. Yeah. They're yeah. like the
2: majority of the season. That that is tough scenes like right there. Dude, um, and everything broke right for Johnston. Right. Like, <laughs> in like the sense, like no Palmer Unfortunately, Mike Will was out. They don't like Eckler has been hurt and he hasn't been taking his usual like massive target share. Yeah. Like how?
3: Like the run out was perfect for him. And yeah. it's just like he, he just he like he couldn't do it like he just wasn't ready for it and then from a team building standpoint like i i get it like i know that i know that herbert has like just a cannon attached to his to his right shoulder and everybody wants him to air it out and like him like throwing bombs to like i think like the moment that uh that johnston got drafted it was like okay we'll take all of those targets that he was throwing to jalen guyton like down the, like down the, you know, down the field or whatever. Now just put those to Johnston, look at his college profile and boom, we're in it. You know, AFC, AFC West champions, we're coming for it. Like we're going (laughs) to do this, but it's like, how about we just get a more efficient offense? How about, uh, how about we just get more first downs? Like, how about we just do that? And there were like two legitimate wide receivers drafted behind him. That could have done exactly that and would have had, and they would have had the speed to win downfield too but because quentin johnston almost looks like a mike williams clone we just had to do it (laughs) that's
1: tough and mike williams clone i don't know if that's a compliment or or not matthew friedman's a huge mike williams guy um
2: uh i don't know man that was
1: that was rough i mean it
2: sucks It, it it really really sucks that like we were like the run out for him was so perfect. And then if we can't like just one of the many, many players that we're just not going to be able to get like the right process, bad run out, I guess, I guess nothing is as bad as a breeze Hall run out, but <laughs> yeah.
3: But see, like in, since we were just talking about like what we're going to be thinking about these players for next season, I mean, mm-hmm. don't you think he's going to be like one of those guys that's going to get drafted in like, I don't know, he's going to have like a 14th, 15th round, like ADP, like some, somewhere yeah. in there. But then you know, there's going to be the off-season talk about, you know, Herbert spending more time with him, talking him up. Uh, we'll see a few uh, training camp videos uh, of their connection. And, you know, by, I think by August, we're going to talk ourselves back into like eighth round Quinton Johnston. Because it will be I'm like, oh, Mike Williams him. is just coming back from an injury. He's not going to be ready to go. Keenan Allen's going to be 37 years old. Who else is going to be you know who else' is going to be catching targets from him and we're just we're gonna be right back in
1: it what I will say is that seeing him actually put up you know a decent game albeit kind of in a meaningless game but still seeing him do something anything has me not completely out in like the 14th or fifteenth round like I'm kind of interested there um but yeah, I can definitely see him getting steamed up if there's some if there's some offseason talk do you think that I mean, do you think that if he can put together a few games more like this over this next stretch, that he could be a be a big riser?
3: Yeah, I think that if he almost goes the same route as like, because you know, like Jonathan Mingo has been like quietly, you know, getting like a bunch of targets over the right. past you know, right. two three weeks. If he just puts together those types of quiet performances, I know like today because it was. You know, Herbert going out. It was a must-win game against the Broncos, divisional opponent. Like, you know, playoffs were still in the picture, yada, yada, yada. I mean, that received, like, more attention. But now if we're just going to think of the Chargers as this team that's more or less playing for their 2024, uh, you know, hopes, then if we see Johnston, like, stringing together, you see, like, 50-yard getting 60 yards, maybe, like, uh, like what was Jamison Williams', like, stat line from last? Like, 20 yards and a touchdown <laughs> with that rushing touchdown? Yeah. Even if he does yeah. that. Even if he finds the end zone at some point, I think that will give enough of us hope that, yeah, if he's drafted in like the mid to early teens, if that's going to be his ADP for next year, I think everybody can talk themselves into that. And then if we see some of those highlight camp, uh, you know, like highlight videos from camp of Herbert and just throwing the balls like, oh, he's got his fingers fine. Johnston's hands are good let's do this like you know chargers we're back and like i could just see that happening and then it's like oh we're back in the 10th round yeah
4: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. With the holidays just around the corner, many people's thoughts will turn to gift giving and what to get for friends and family. And seeing the joy on people's face as they open those gifts can be a truly wonderful experience. Spending time with family unboxing gifts is always one of my true pleasures of the entire year. Whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you get to define how you give to yourself. And the holidays are a great time to do that. So whether it's starting therapy going easier on yourself during the tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. Early 2023, I began therapy and I started doing it after thinking about it throughout the holiday season, so very much like I'm talking about today. It is the perfect time to start that process. I have found it very beneficial and my plan is to continue it into 2024. It's been very valuable in helping me learning positive coping skills Balance in the day-to-day tasks and challenges that I have experienced. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash rotoviz today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash rotoviz.
2: Uh, actually, it's a good thing you brought up Jonathan Mingo because I wanted to discuss this guy, Bryce Young. Today, man, was probably just the worst I've ever seen. Like, just, like just He completed 13 of 34 pa- uh, pass attempts for 134 yards. He had three rushes for 40 yards, right? His yards per attempt was below four. This is like the sixth time he's been under four yards per pass attempt in a game this season. Like... <laughs> He was sure he was getting blissed, Sure, it's a dif- difficult defensive matchup. He hasn't shown anything. Like, what are we doing with the Panthers next year at all? I want no part. I say you want that, no part, right? Uh,
3: uh, let me take that back, <laughs> because it's just coaching has to. Coaching has to be a factor in in this. And yeah, if you, like I think I, y'all have probably seen them. And I know like folks that are listening, they've probably seen like the same clips of if you watch Bryce Young, once he gets to his third, fifth or like the, the back of his drops and you just freeze frame and look at the receivers, there's nobody open. Like there's nobody open. Mm-hmm. Like there's like he's forced into throwing these tight window throws, which has really not been his strength stylistically. Like he's just not capable. Like That's just not his thing. Mm -hmm. So if almost in the same vein of us, like, uh, you know, praising CJ Stroud and like his ability to, you know, to like that, that was wired into Stroud. Like he, he's just one of those guys that, oh yeah, I'll throw that. Like, like, I don't care. Like he can be double covered. Like it doesn't even matter. Like young is not that way. And no. like surrounding him with a coaching staff that would allow them in order to work receivers out of bunch formations, uh, you know, more crossing, like whatever the case may be, in order to make sure that he has an open lane with an open receiver, uh, I, they just, I think the personnel just doesn't match the the player. Mm-hmm. I think Stroud with Stroud with DJ Chark and older Adam Phelan and even like Jonathan Mingo coming on, that would make sense for a guy that wants to like huck the ball downfield regardless of who's in coverage, right. right? That does not suit a guy like Bryce Young, like at least at this point, like in this stage of this development. So I think if they wind up finding a better coaching staff to, to work with them, adjust their personnel a bit. I'm obviously keeping Mingo because we we're just talking about him and the like in the targets he's been able to earn and like being somewhat productive over the past few weeks, I think that I could buy back into Bryce young as a passer, but he just he's one of those guys that needs the he needs like the right environment in order to succeed where it's like kind of clear that Stroud i think even even if they had retained some of like last year's coaching staff, like for the Texans, I think we would at least seen enough flashes that we've been excited about them, but just having, you know, more or less like 49 ers South, you know, like with the Texans. Now, I think that that's definitely helped us realize like the, the true skill and capability of CJ Stroud. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't really want to spend too much more time on this team because they're just like, they're just non-entities outside of Hubbard, but yeah. Um, it's just a shame that they moved away a guy who would have potentially been a good stylistic fit in Bryce Young and DJ Moore, right? Yeah. Um yeah, that one is it seems like, yeah, it seems like he needs that kind of guy. I wonder if I don't I don't know if they're gonna be able if Carolina is gonna be in a position to really draft a guy like that early. Not now. Mm-hmm. I mean after yeah. uh,
3: after the draft capital they've given up and everything, I don't I don't think they can yeah. do it. I
2: mean, There's just like- no way.
3: Like, do they have, like, what do they have for picks for, for next year? I mean, they've got... Let's look. So, they, even have, they don't have a first-round pick? No. They traded, to Chicago, right? traded yeah, to that's, Chicago, That's Chicago, so it's like...
2: they six. They have their own second through fourth.
1: That's... Yeah, <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> t- you can t- t- get like a good receiver t- in the second round, but this team, I think, has but a, they lot need a lot of needs, lot right? More. They need, like, yeah, the they need part, more than that.
2: Like, they've... Like I mean, like you can see them making a run for one of the one of the receivers in free agency, right? But then, how excited are we to draft Jerry Judy on the Panthers,
3: right? Because I know a lot of people were talking about T going to or going T to Higgins Carolina. Of the Panthers. Yeah, there was talk about him getting traded to the Panthers like at the at the trade deadline, but because the Panthers didn't have their first, like I didn't think there's any way the Bengals would have done that deal.
2: Yeah, yeah,
3: but it's like so T with uh with the Browns. Okay, cool. I mean that that definitely moves the needle. Uh, but outside of that, it's like you need both the personnel and the coaching in order to in order to really sell right. that, not even just like fantasy, football, but like real football fans, like real Panthers fans on any sort of hope for
2: 2024. I think real Panthers fans have been pretty disillusioned for a while. Um, yeah, they hate David, uh, David Tepper. Like if, if yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I also think that they have they're just not satisfied with the direction the team has gone since moving away from camp. Yeah. Like, because, I mean, they're now appreciating what they had in in, in him. <laughs> yeah. A, little, a little, far too, little far too late, fellas. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, uh, here here's a guy who I actually wanted to get your thoughts on future, in the future. Drake London caught 10 of 11 targets for 172 yards in the Falcons' big 14 loss. Um, you know, he averaged over 7 yards per catch. His longest catch of the day was a 45-yarder. He also, I mean, that that catch also bailed out Ritter from an int. Um, he got the last bit of the game in the four-yard line, just shy of a go-ahead touchdown as time expired. So I just sort of wanted to get your take. Where are we in on him on Drake London next year?
3: So from an ADP standpoint, I'm assuming he slides back into, where was he this year? Sixth this round?
1: Yeah, like mid-fifth, right? Mid-fifth, yeah, like yeah. Mid-
3: yeah, mid-fifth or somewhere around there i think he slides back just like slightly i mean like since we're talking up like the houston guys and and all of yeah, that I, I could i could see him sliding back maybe around or so uh but for ritter personally like i always thought that he would like him alone like without like uh without the with, like independent of the context of his offense i thought he was a good receiver coming out um I wasn't always like in on the whole, like uh, the the Cooper Cup comparisons, like while I get because you are a relatively lanky, like wide receiver, you can work both as like an outside, like off the line of scrimmage wide receiver, but also from the interior as well. Uh, your calling card is being able to work uh, like after the catch. I mean, all those things kind of like stylistically, I guess, like fit Cooper Cup. But again, it's just like, all right, well, we're going to start calling people to Cooper Cup. I mean, come <laughs> on, guys. like can we can we can, we can, we can that that's that's kind of that's kind of tough, like by itself. So I think like London alone, I think he's a he is a good receiver. I think it's just being paired with a guy like Desmond Ritter. That's what makes it so much more difficult, because if your game is timing, if your game is essentially like being at a landmark, running right routes, uh, you need a you need a quarterback that, that can do that, and that's really not Ritter's game, like to like in any way, shape or form. Uh, and so I guess that's what makes me somewhat concerned about his future, because there's all, like I think the talk has been, oh, well, like after this season, what if we just like stick Justin Fields like in the in the Falcons offense? I mean, this thing would just go absolutely nuts. Arthur Smith, uh, all his play designs, having a guy like Justin Fields there, Drake London and all that. But like, I wouldn't even say that's Justin Fields game. Yeah. Justin Fields, like while he's been clicking with, uh, with DJ Moore, it's taking what the better part of the season in order for them to get to this point. Right. So even like, I think even the prospects of like Drake London for 23 uh, 23 and beyond it, I think he'll be more of one of those guys that we know the talent is there. Uh, like, like him alone. I think he, like, he has been like one of the, like that he has been a, he is a good and efficient wide receiver, like full stop. But I think his situation will be always the thing that we'll point back to as being
1: the thing that drags him down. It was, um, I don't know if surprising is the right word, but kind of, well, yeah, surprising to see Atlanta even throw the ball 40 times and get targets to their top guys, something we've been kind of screaming for the whole season. And finally, uh, they deliver in week 14. Is this uh, maybe, hard to even tell, but do you think this is a trend that could continue? At least for the end of the season and going forward. I mean, obviously, um, if the Falcons lose some more, they're probably making some some personnel changes. Or one would almost hope. But um, yeah, that that yeah. be my assume. My assumption is that it's just going to continue.
3: I mean, unless uh, unless they just wholesale, and this wouldn't be until after the end of this season. Unless they unless they make a, like a concerted effort at changing their uh, changing their their quarterback. Doesn't have to be anything like schematically like different. It's just that you just need a better quarterback under center. Like Ritter is just not going to be that dude. And so yeah. for a guy like London, like that's what has to be that that has to be the type of quarterback, or he has to have a better type of quarterback under center in order for him to really excel.
2: Desmond Ritter is. I mean, it always goes back to the one tweet I saw on draft night of him, which is someone said that he looks like he flew planes in World War Two. And that's how I knew he was gonna suck.
1: <laughs> that's so perfect too. Oh my looked. gosh. Now I gotta look it?
2: you gotta you gotta look it up, man, because it's the funny it's like this someone like just offhandedly tweeted it and just like Colored is, my entire perception of him for his entire that career. is perfect
3: because now I'm looking at this picture of him, and that's all I see, <laughs> you see now. That's all you see <laughs> now, that's, right? That's all I see. It's just this <laughs> battle-hardened man. Oh my goodness, that's so dude. Perfect. He looks like he's 63 years old he in that does. picture.
1: <laughs> just this old man that is he's got like 100%. all the lines, and I everything. Mean, it's like
2: yeah, crazy. Um, so yeah, so so you guys gotta look that picture up and then have it color your perception because man, it's a tough one. Um, Larry, you want to talk about the next rookie wide receiver here on our sheet? Uh, someone near and
1: dear to your heart. Who's a flowers? He's pretty near uh, and dear to my heart. Um, yeah. Six of 10 targets caught 60 yards and a touchdown in the, in the Ravens win. Um, obviously big, big win for Baltimore today. Flowers has looked, looked pretty good. I think the whole season, uh, Man, he's another guy who, for me anyway, is tough to figure out where he might go next season. Obviously, you have Mark Andrews coming back, probably healthy, but Flowers looked pretty good with him, uh, even on the field. So, yeah, um, where are you comfortable taking him next year?
3: If I had to think about it, early seventh. Huh. On Zay Flowers. Yeah, I think an early seventh. Trying to think of how many other like wide receivers out of like because i think let's say assuming like uh I- i'm guessing kirk cousins is still with the vikings next year
2: so i'm thinking yeah that, like, that's we can begin to assume that
3: yeah so like i'm thinking i want i still want addison like over him yeah i think i think i still want addison over him. so it's just like and we're talking about like the the texans guys and yada 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 so yeah, i think right. like i think early i think Early seventh is probably about like, I'm that's just the the starting point, like for me, because it's just like mm-hmm. Mark Andrews will be back. He'll still be there in the like the second, third round or, or whatever. Lamar doing his thing. I know that Odo Beckham is not going to be a part of the team uh, in like 2024, at least I'm assuming that he's not, but it's just that it is somewhat concerning that uh, not to say it was a quick transition. But we have seen over the past like two to three weeks, especially once like Odell got healthy, leading in air yards, leading in targets per route run. Uh, I mean, that was that was that's, something of a concern. And if the Ravens do wind up drafting a wide receiver or or even picking up another wide receiver in free agency, I think that would at least create enough uncertainty that that's where my risk tolerance would have me wanting to draft him at just to see yeah. what this offense looks like with yet another, either a veteran wide receiver or like whomever they wind up drafting. Like if they get like a solid day two guy, I mean, do we, is, is it then like, is there enough like uncertainty in that, in that passing game that it's just like say flowers was good. I mean, highly efficient like for, for a rookie wide receiver, but is it something that we should now bank on uh, especially given like the Mar Jackson's tendencies to at least still be like a, a runner, uh, a runner of the football and passer of the football.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting take. I mean, my initial thought was that he'd be going quite a bit earlier, but, you know, you know, thinking about someone who's going to be the wide receiver 1 on an offense that's going to score a lot of points or maybe wide receiver 1, I mean, that kind of remains to be seen, but um he's kind of been operating in that in that uh role already to an extent except for over the last few weeks when Beckham's come on. So, yeah, you don't necessarily see, I don't know, like twelve hundred yard upside that easily for Flowers next season. So it does become difficult to bump him up too high. Um, yeah, but
2: he had an octopus today, which is kind of cool. That's octopus, where he, that's where he, he scored octopus, a touchdown. Yeah. He scored a touchdown and also got the two point conversion, so eight points. Oh, nice, right.
3: very nice. Okay,
2: that's a that's a that's a fun little thing I saw. Like. Yeah. all over twitter and i was like i'm going to steal that cuz that's such a cute thing to say
3: <laughs> yeah at octopus day i dig it
1: uh my sense is that if flowers you know coming off the rookie season he's had if he's going in the seventh he might be my highest owned player but <laughs> um maybe not i'll have to rethink that when we see who else is who else is going in that range cuz there are a lot of guys who who i want to move up higher addison you named one so um yeah yeah. addison is one
2: it's just it's really tough to do this because when you see all the other wide receivers who are coming out as well out of college right right. and then also the dearth at running back it's just going to be like i really don't like looking at what the potential future adp like landscape looks like it's i i really think that um your seventh round on, on say feels right you know what i mean
3: yeah it well it feels right but then at the same time it's just we'll we'll think about like how explosive he was like during the first month of the season uh like whether beckham's there or not uh if there's a way that he can now ascend like in his second year get out, like bring on some more targets Uh, So I guess it's it is I think it will be a a fun debate to have to see like what what that offense or at least what the passing game core is going to look like from a personnel standpoint, like over the next season. So I think that's where you can start to make cases for or against a flowers, because like if Beckham comes back and wants to let's say they. Don't make it to the Super Bowl, but Beckham would like wants to give it another go or whatever. The team wants to bring him back, then okay, fine. You can talk yourself into Beckham's another year older. Flowers has another year in the system with Lamar. Okay, maybe Flowers just takes over throughout the end of the year. Flowers should be like a you know a fifth rounder. So, something like that. I can
1: see that argument. Uh who else did we want to touch on today? Um, let's uh you want you want to talk about him? Diggs. Stefan Diggs. Four yeah. of eleven for twenty-four yards. Um, I mean, I think what this is not what happened, man. Not, not something necessarily to be concerned about long-term for Diggs, right? But it is definitely disappointing. Week fourteen FFPC championship weeks. I'm sure that yeah. was a that was a big blow could, for a lot of teams. Could
2: mm-hmm. you pull up the stat explorer for Diggs? Because it feels this has mm. been more so the the norm over the last five or so weeks. I can't remember if he got if he picked up an injury somewhere along the line though
3: not that I know of um but yeah, you are right that it has been something of a like a downtrend for for him I think he's been uh like lower in air yards um actually i can pull up let me pull up true media like right now uh and if anybody could ever get access to like a true media account this thing is like the freaking matrix they just got like so much stuff they got so much data in this uh so let's see last last few weeks so actually he did have even today uh 30.6 target share like for for digs 11 targets 11 targets 11 targets eight targets um air yards were around like 22 23 percent but then today it was just over 30. uh i think the problem for him uh is that it's not a, it's not as a, con, a condensed of a target tree like as it used to be I and mean, it was like Diggs davis right with davis kind of doing his almost like MVS like stuff where it's like you'll get the deep pass he might drop one like here and there but now you've got Diggs, you've got davis you've got shakir you've got kincaid knox is back cook also getting targets out of the backfield i think the the competition like while I, like i hate using the uh like the phrase like too many mouths to feed, like. Josh Allen now has legitimate, like too many mouths to feed. And with Allen doing Allen things, like once they get into the red zone, like that, that does become problematic for a guy like Diggs who has like, well, I think he will always have the targets, but I think the production and like those days of him going like, I don't know, 10 for 100 and like two, mm. I think those, those might be gone with just more, more guys available for, for Allen.
2: And yeah, that's just, that just feels, it feels bad it feels sad. You know, because like, uh, yeah, because like, look, look at those first, look at those first six weeks, man. Yeah, those uh, are the good old days. Yeah, <laughs> we were so young then, man. We were like so a, young then.
3: Right, because it was just, it really was just like him. We didn't like... Everybody was asking, like, when 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 was when we're we gonna see Dalton Kincaid? Because him and Dawson Knox, they were running what, like two tight end sets, like throughout like the first like four, five, six weeks and trying to figure that out. James Cook was still battling with Latavius Murray and Damian Harris when Harris was still healthy. So like Cook wasn't earning a ton of targets. So it was like really most of the passing game was still going to to Steph Diggs. I mean, because they didn't. Nobody else was earning targets. Nobody else was running enough routes in order for them to be relevant from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. But oh, then Knox goes out, so then that gives us Kincaid. They, uh, you know, Harris gets trucked, and so he goes on on IR. So that gives us Cook, and then Shakir comes on because, well, of course. I mean, like, why not add a third guy to it? So now you get those splash plays to Shakir every now and again. And it's Deontay
2: like, Hardy. You know?
3: And Deontay Hardy. So it's just, yeah. like, it's just like just little by little each one of these guys has popped up out of the woodwork yeah, to take I mean, away from Diggs.
1: Yeah. You can kind of see in, in what I just pulled up, how his air yards have just kind of ah, taken a nosedive in the last, that's tough. Yeah. Five weeks, basically this doesn't yeah. have this week in it yet, but, but yeah, it's, that's a disastrous sharp um, to look at, man. I don't know if, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's just like you said, you have all these other guys popping up and taking, taking over roles that would have been his otherwise when they weren't there, or if um, there's something schematic going on, that's, that's changing, but definitely um, there's uh, something that uh, is a little concerning about, about his usage for sure. So, yeah,
3: I would, I would be concerned. I mean, especially considering he's, you know, he's getting older. He's 28, 22. I think he might be turning 30. Almost. Is he turning 30? I read of his 28 or 29 and he's, he's like- 30. He's already 30. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So it's just like, maybe not to say that they're going away from him. Obviously the dude just had like 11 targets today, but planning for, for life after digs. I mean that, you know, that has to be on, on Buffalo's mind at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, before we get out of here, I did want to ask one of these questions in the chat. What type of beer is Chris brewing up during this time of year? (laughs) Uh, That's
2: what are your favorite styles to drink during this time of year? And uh, what are you brewing? Uh,
1: so I actually do have
3: a, this is like, I'm like super late to the ball game, but I do have a pumpkin ale that I've, I've been working on every year. I try and brew one. Uh, so I actually use uh, like pumpkin, like pumpkin meat, like canned pumpkin, like in the mash in order to impart like the pumpkin flavor to it, along with like cinnamon, allspice and a few other things uh, in order to like give it that almost like a, you know, Thanksgiving day, like type feel to it. But like, I was like two, three weeks past it still works though for, for right now. Yeah. Uh, but my other, uh, my other preferred, uh, style around this, this time of year as our winter warmers, I just, I cannot do like porters, coffee stouts. I mean, the beers that just like are super thick, you drink one and like if you feel like you need to go to bed afterwards, that's just not for me. It's that's just <laughs> nothing. No hate. Like, I'm not going to yuck somebody else's yum, but it's just that's just that's just not me. Uh, but uh, like winter warmers, I think, are at least like a fine enough uh, like compromise where you are getting a lot of those like same like holiday like type flavors. Uh, you know, the people add in pretty much like whatever you want, like from a spice and like flavoring standpoint and uh, like that. I think those are more like just fun. I like making seasonal beers. And uh, I think a winter warmer kind of fits into that winter warmers like pumpkin ales. I mean, those types of things like that's that's like typically my go to this time of year. Before then, I just like uh, before we get to like the Marchist time frame and then I'm back on my, you know, everybody should drink like hazy IPAs. And I just go on that, you know, that that, that tirade <laughs> and just, you know, and just turn into a beer snob again.
2: Everybody should be drinking hazy
1: IPAs, though, for real. Uh, those IPAs all year happen. round, if you ask me.
3: Uh, those are those are the best uh yeah if anybody's down in um if you're ever in cincinnati uh street side brewery uh like close to like downtown cincinnati i think they're in otr over the Rhine. um god uh so let's see street side i need to look up the name of it it's street side brewery uh, milk there's they have a milkshake ipa man like what is the name of just two dudes being bros, I think, is the that might be it. Um, man, there's another one that was like a st- kid in a candy shop that's what it's called. And uh, if you look up the the can art for it, because I'm, I'm an absolute sucker for can art, I mean, your <laughs> beer could taste like absolute piss water, but as long as like the can, like it actually looks pretty cool, you'll get me for a six pack every single yeah. time. <laughs> uh, but like kid in a candy shop, like by Streetside Brewery, is actually one of my favorite like milkshake IPAs that I've had in quite some time. Uh, but yeah, like I'll I'll be drinking those from like the moment that we start seeing the sun here in Ohio until like and probably until like October November of next year.
2: Yeah, we uh, we're spoiled for choice. I'm hoping to find these guys at my local beer store. If you see any uh, anything from, um, if you see a uh, tart shake from Cinderlands at all out in Cincy, I would uh, recommend anything that's got that or anything from Dancing Gnome that is a hazy IPA. Uh, oh, back when dance, yeah, back when back when Dancing home first started, they were exclusively a hazy IPA. Oh, okay. Um, and they won like microbrewery of the year, like in the U.S. Times. And then for like two years, I couldn't get in. Like, just, like I just couldn't get into the like the brewery. Yeah. Like they like they like the like, releases were sold out. Like there were guys from like New York showing up to buy like eight to ten cases, and I'm like, I just want a four pack, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and you, <laughs> yeah. And you just leave me one, and they're like, sorry. We drove all this way, and I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> um, they branched out to the other styles that are just nowhere as good as their Hayes, the IPA product. Um, right. If I if I can get my hands on some, I'll actually probably send it to you.
3: Oh, I would I would pay you handsomely for it. So you just yeah, send it my
2: way; I'll take it. There were uh, I, I ran into some people who'd moved back who'd moved back to Pittsburgh from Vermont in the tap room and I was like, what do you think? And they were like, yeah, this is like very much like a heady topper. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. Um, and they were like, uh, they were like, yeah," and they were like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, you should try some of their, some of their other stuff. They've, they've got some cool ones. They've got, they've started getting into okay. but they've coaches. They've they've, uh, it's just the hazy IPAs are where it's at. And there's one that yeah. there's a couple that I know that they do are really good. If there's any particular hop that you like, are you more particular to Simcoe or, Anything um, just I
3: brewed, uh, typically I brew with uh, mosaic galaxy mosaic. citra, like those are my three go to's. Like, whenever I'm doing citra it, I'm and galaxy, it. yep,
2: okay. Yep. The, 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 one of their best beers that they do is called a mosaic jam IPA, and it's phenomenal. And they sure. don't have it on, they don't have it for, for purchase right now, but
3: ah. Oh. Oh, I definitely try that. Yeah, I think those. Uh, there's one. I uh, the think it's called Azaka. I think that's an Australian uh, hop. I get that one every now and again. Uh, but I think yeah, like uh, Galena, uh, like Galena Galaxy Mosaic Citra. I think those off the top of my head. Uh, those are like the like my my go-to's whenever I'm doing a hazy IPA.
2: Nice, nice. We should pivot this to a beer podcast, man. Like- <laughs> oh man, I could go
3: off on that, like just, just all day long. A friend about a buddy of mine, uh, who he owns, uh, the brew store on the south, south end of, of Dayton. Like we do a show like, uh, once every week, once every other week and just talk about like different beer styles and, and all that, what we're brewing, different equipment that's coming out and just nerd, ab- nerd out about the, about some of the things. And, uh. Whenever we go to competitions, like we talk about just like the different things that we, you know, talking with other brewers like from around the area. Um, like one guy that we know, uh, he lives in like Middletown, which is maybe like a half hour ish uh, like uh, south of where I'm at. Uh, I think he's put about just short of 10K uh, into his home brewing system. Wow. And this was just like all like just stainless steel pumps for everything. I mean, almost like zero manual labor like goes into like brewing beer for him at this point. It's just like load the grains and then just set your temperatures and like whatever profile that you want to hit. And then he just lets it go. And then like afterwards, like he'll just have like fermented alcohol, uh, you know, like a week or so later. The the only thing he has to do, I think, is just add his yeast like after he's done. And, And that's it. I was like, dude, that's sick. Like he's just a retired guy that just like loves the hobby. And, uh, like every year he just like buys like a new gadget or like adds this or takes that off or, you know, whatever, uh, in order to like make it less and less like, like he did like less human involvement, like every single year. And I was like, man, one of, one of these days, I would just
1: love to be able to get into that. Mm. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you brew alone or you do do it with other people?
3: Uh, mostly alone. Cause it's just, you're, uh, it's like five, it's like. Now I've got it to about like five and a half, uh, six hours for for a brew day. Whereas nice. like when okay. I first started, it would like take like an entire like the, an entire day. Yeah, get like in order for me to get through everything. Um, but it's just like finding the time to do it. Uh, and now that I have an electric system, I can legitimately like do it in my office. Uh, actually, oh, like nice. my uh, I have a I haven't the, like the version two mash and boil. Uh, which is like an electric system. It's actually sitting like six feet like that way, like from me. And I can I could have it brewing like right now if I wanted to. It, it's does that a- work
1: it's like an induction burner or something. Yeah, and it has just a like a,
3: a temperature controller, like a, a temperature probe, like down at the bottom to measure what your what your wort right. is going to be at, and then right. after, you just have to add your water and grains with a false bottom. And so, like after you steep your grains, you can just pull the grains and stuff out, let all the uh, all the sugars that you've collected drop out, and then afterwards you just add your hops into it and like go through that cycle. And after that, like you're you're pretty much done. It is just so much simpler than the like i built my first uh like my first home brewing setup where it was like you just buy one of those uh coolers from like home depot or whatever have like the 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 braid uh like a uh was it the stainless steel braid like down at the bottom and just like uh, i I put probably like a hundred bucks into into like my first setup and then bought that for maybe like a hundred dollars more and just like the work is just like it's so much simpler yeah i don't yeah. have to worry about like temperature controlling and like all the all these other things that i was just freaking out about when i first started uh but yeah i would i would recommend i would still recommend people just going that route and just buying a basic kit that you can get from like just buy it on amazon if you wanted to yeah uh, but just to get started learn the science make mistakes uh like because i made i've made so many of them uh, but it's just like, I think learning the process and figuring out like what not to do, I think that will inform how you should do things. Once you get to the more, once you start like getting into a range where you're more comfortable with the more sophisticated systems.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I used to brew. It's been probably like 10 or 12 years since, since I did it. I should, I was doing it with a buddy and I can't imagine having to like do all the stuff by myself and still have fun at it. Yeah. But, uh,
3: Going to competitions, I think helps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like we, so we go to every one. It's down in Cincinnati, like every year. Uh, I didn't win this year. I won for IPAs last year. Nice. Uh, and then the uh, my friend Joey, uh, like he was, he got um, second best in show. I think for it was he like a Trappist ale. I forget which style. Oh wow! Last year, uh, something
2: that's
3: awesome. a, like that's,
2: that's a that's a that's a rare that's a rare style.
3: Yeah, and like that's one of the ones that it's like if you like you have to be like technically on point as a, as a brewer in order to score really well like for a style like that. So it was like yeah. it was really impressive that he that he scored so well because um, I think uh, using the BJCP guidelines, the highest score you can get is a fifty. Uh, I think I scored, I think my score for my last, for my beer last year was like 42, 43. I think he had like a 45, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it was insane. Like he did such a, such a good job with that one. Uh, but yeah, I think just being able to hang out with other brewers, like every now and again, just makes it like all the more fun because you get to hang out with other people that are nerding out about the same stuff that you are, you know, that sort of
1: thing. Right. Right. Totally. Awesome. All right. Any, uh, any other late-breaking stuff we need to touch on before we get out of here? From what I'm gathering, this
2: game sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a shame the Eagles have gone from looking like shoe-ins to just you know just a complete non-entity of a team right now. Yeah. This is... it's, it, it, it just feels like the roller coaster that the Niners were also on, right? Like where the Niners had like a three-game stretch where it looked like absolute garbage. Yes. and then they've and then then now they've looked at the best team in the NFC. Yeah, Uh, Eagles are on the on the down slope right now, and they've got a very easy schedule. Yeah, that's going up the season. Yeah, Yeah. I want to get you.
3: So before we head out, we we need to have we need to have discourse. Uh, And I'm pretty sure I I know what you guys' answer is going to be. But Brock Purdy MVP? Yes or no? No. Yes.
2: (laughs) So so I think that like like that's I think for me right now I think Birdie's probably the front runner, Mm -hmm. um, but I think Lamar should also be up there if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I think I think it's Birdie, Lamar, probably Dak, and then Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts. I think those are your four MVP candidates. And I think I think
3: if Tyreek breaks two K, should he get it? (laughs)
2: <laughs> man i i'm actually i'm actually all for a non-qb getting mvp right now like i mean like, tyreek with, like that would be cool like tyreek like 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 digs did a lot for josh allen when he joined right like sure. our perception of allen our perception of to uh true would not be anywhere close to where it is now if it had not been for tyreek
3: yeah, I don't think Jalen Waddle is like is doing enough in order to make no. us think about that offense the way that it, like Tyreek's done for it. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's just it's just like I think I think realistically, like I want Tyreek to get it just because I just want to see a non like like if he can't get it at the, after the season, right? Mm-hmm. Or if CMC couldn't get it after a two K two K season, like none of these guys are ever gonna get it, you know? And it's right, and, and like it's so frustrating for that to happen. Oh, sorry, CMC was one K one K. Right, and if Tyreek, right, yeah. and, if, and if and if Tyreek breaks two K, then it's like it's still like what, like what does a skilled player have to do?
3: Right, because yeah. I think what was it the what last season was it last season when when Jay Jettis like got what nineteen hundred? I think he got yeah. like, like, a vote. Like, yeah, like one, like, one like, even on a like it, it didn't even feel like he was on the radar. Right.
2: Yeah, and like what he did is like it was insane.
3: Right.
2: Like I don't think people like appreciate appreciate that right and so that's where i'm i'm with you hassan
3: like i i almost i want it to be a non-qb thing because if it's just if it's not going to be a non-qb this year uh and like in hill breaks 2k and if it's not going to be a non-qb this year when we have so many questions about all right well if Dak is playing well but it's like he hasn't played well the entire season he needed this run and like whatever uh purdy purdy's played well Two, but how do you separate his production from having all those weapons around him and there are legitimate questions you can ask about like all of the quarterbacks that are going to be up for this award maybe outside of lamar because we've seen lamar do at least be a good quarterback before just not in this way so if there is ever going to be a year that a non-qb like should be up for the mvp i I think this should be the year yeah yeah that makes sense
2: it's just I don't know, man. Like I I I would love for, for Tyreek to win it. Yeah, just because awesome. Like I think you I think it would be, yeah. I mean, the more I think about it, the more you're right. I think I think realistically, like his biggest competition right now is Dak, right? Like especially because it looks yeah. like the Cowboys are gonna win today,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and they're gonna. But like it doesn't look like they necessarily have needed Dak to do much. Like yeah, like 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 Dak sitting on um at the half, he's got fourteen or twenty three completions, one hundred fifty seven yards, two scores. Um, CD, the DOS CD and DOS to Gallup, but like, I don't know, man. that's looked awesome, but like, I think what Hale's done has been even better. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I think that, that's just all the more impressive for a receiver at like, honestly, a receiver at his age. Yeah. Just, and, and to be this efficient, like, over is he still over four yards per out run? Ooh. I think so. Which still I think, I think, I think, yeah, which doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's like breaking math there.
3: Yeah, because we would just assume anybody over two is good, and he's double that,
1: right?
2: Yeah, and and like and like uh, and I just just <laughs> so people like, you could you pull up our advanced stats? Uh, do we have targets per round there? Yeah, we do. Yeah, if you just pull that up, just so people like, so we can actually give a visual to the people. um Sorry, we, we're going a little long here, but.
1: Oh, we're talking about good stuff. I mean, I, we actually is, have it the in stuff. the uh yeah. stealing signals tool, which is kind that's of the... a little bit of a collaboration with Ben Gretsch. So, this is the stealing signals tool, which you can see wide receiver, yeah. tight end.
2: Yeah, just there it is the DPPR, right?
1: Filter by uh team, for instance. Yeah, yeah. Tyreek uh, Hill at 4.4 yards per outrun. run, <laughs> almost 40 <40% laughs> targets per outrun.
2: Could you could you filter by like everybody like all the all the teams, yeah, yeah, and then just targets for and then just filter by targets right right around,
1: yeah. Uh-huh. Um, could take some of these guys, and take some of the run. yeah,
2: just the tables probably
1: broke breaking right. Time Montgomery, come on, uh, minimum yeah. no, rounds a they... hundred. Yeah, there you go. I mean. Yeah. Like holy smokes, forty percent. I mean, just and,
3: just dwarfing the other guys we would consider. Yeah, and these are none right. of these guys
2: are slouches, right? Like, like that's just ridiculous. I mean, that's like ridiculous. That's,
3: that's MVP.
2: That's most. Yeah. I mean,
3: that that has to be it. To me, yeah. that that just stands like that. That just blows. If you're blowing away like the just the best of the best at at your at your position, I mean, just unequivocally.
2: I mean, to me, that that just screams MVP. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. really frustrating because like none of these quarterbacks have really you know truly separated, right? Because like, I mean, like just to j- just to just to put a hypothetical out there, not saying this will happen. We just kicked off the third quarter. If the Eagles come back and beat the Cowboys, right? Uh-huh. Then you're probably going to say Hirsch is the best quarterback for MVP, right? Right. Like we're back to that discussion. Whereas <laughs> with like yes. Diary Kill, yeah. we don't have another. We don't have somebody else. Like we don't. We don't have a. <laughs> closest competition. A, that's is that's a like,
3: funny way to think about it? Because yeah, it almost feels like every week, like the the narrative will yeah. change based off of the results. No, because yeah, it was like after does, yeah. after Purdy went on, you know, their three game win streak, it was like oh, Purdy has to be up at the top. And to your point, Hassan, if if like Hertz were to come back tonight, it would be like Hertz like is now at the, at the top, despite them just getting plowed by the 49ers last week. Yeah, but, uh, but it's just like Tyreek. There's nothing he can do to change the narrative. Like there's no, like he has to continue doing this like every week. There is no like he can't have a game off. Like he that's, can't. Have- and that's so ridiculous. Yeah, like he can he can't go out and have like a fifty yard game and then come back and have like. Another one of his, you know, 125, 150 yard games and everyone would be like, oh, Tyreek is back in the, you know, he's back at the top of yeah. the MVP count. Like he just has to keep doing this yeah, every yeah. And
2: single week. Th- that's why he's been playing through like an injury too. Like he picked up an ankle injury and he's been like fighting yeah. to stay, like to and stay in the game. Yeah. He probably yeah.
3: knows that unless like he has to do this or else there's just no way for him to even get considered. Whereas with quarterbacks, it's just every week, depending on the narrative around like your quality of win or like your loss or whatever, that will just instantly sway like how people, like even just from a betting market standpoint, you've just seen like each week, Purdy's yeah. odds have just like, just every week.
2: I, I mean, everybody's odds, like when, when they're going to reopen again, like I think birdie's going to be, uh, I think it'll open with like Purdy and Dak as like co-favorites or like if Hurts does it, then he's going to be like an actual favorite. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's just going to yeah. be, like it's just, it just it just feels like I don't know, and I know I know Matthew Friedman said this before, but it really is like a narrative driven award, and it's just so frustrating that like they're not willing to focus on a non quarterback position for once. Like I mean, I, I mean I was <laughs> I was actually laughing about the Heisman thing when when like Ian Hartt tweeted uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was robbed of the Heisman. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's like yeah, he's kind of right in the sense cuz like I yeah. mean what, what what Marvin Harrison Jr did for Variety State is uh, what he's done for like 3 years for them is just yeah. disgusting. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, uh yeah, on that note, say we call it a night. Uh Chris, you want to tell the people where they can find you and all Absolutely. your stuff?
3: yeah no first off i mean thanks fellas for having me on i mean it's dope being able to come on here and talk talk ball with you guys for an hour uh, but you can find me on twitter at chris allen ffwx uh, all of my writing is over at the matthew barry's fantasy life i'll be doing the waiver column doing uh, shows with ian harditz and dwayne mcfarland matchups podcast and of course i still do the ffwx in my twitter handle still doing stuff about weather actually wrote up the Baltimore game are for the Baltimore game and also the jets Texans game for today. And if you'd seen that, I would have been like, Hey, just play all the core plays. Don't try and get cute with your roster. So if you had Lamar on your team, you should have been starting Lamar even wrote up, a guy like Oda Beckham being somebody that you should have continued holding on to, something like that. My stance has always been most of the stuff gets overblown. Don't panic. Just play the guys that you think are at least in the right situation. Break ties in favor of other guys that have similar opportunity, but in better game environments, that sort of thing. That's always been my stance. But either way, you can find me on Twitter, Chris Allen, FFWX. Any questions at all, come
1: hit me up. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check out Chris's work. Uh, lots of great advice there. Help you win some of these matchups. And uh, so, yeah, thanks so much for hanging out with us. And uh, we will talk at you next week.
3: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.